This is The Think Tank with Dr. Mike O'Neill, talking about the major political, economic, and social issues of the week. KTAR News on 92.3 FM and KTAR.com. The Think Tank. Well, it's probably no secret what we're going to be talking about this week. Uh, We are within uh, uh, three days of the election, uh, and we have our true A-team here, Rick DeGraw, longtime Democratic political consultant, Chuck Coughlin, frequent contributor to this show and longtime Republican consultant. And in full disclosure, you guys have faced off against one another in in one or more gubernatorial campaigns, right? Yes. There's great love. Great love for Mr. DeGraw. <laughs> yeah. uh, certainly respect. I, I want to I start out asking you a question. You know, uh, this has to do with the, you know, the polls are, are rather consistently showing a pretty good violent lead nationally and in most of the swing states, though some of the swing states are, uh, are, uh, are closer than the national figures. But, uh, you know, in 2016, the polls varied uh, a lot more constancy in 2020. Um, you look for last minute trends. If there's hardly any, if there's any at all, it's, it's in a very small uh, pro-Biden uh, measure. I'm wondering, uh, the question to you guys, are we re- overreacting to the 2016 surprise? I look at this and I say, yeah, there is a narrow path to a Trump electoral college win, but it seems to me that a Biden route is actually more likely than a than a Trump squeaker. Well, first of all, I, I understand that, that thinking. However, um, being overly optimistic is the thing that will kill some people voting. Now, I recognize only a couple of percentage points are probably actually undecided, but a couple of percentage points can be important. And Hillary was up and down in the last month and a half. And yes, Biden has remained pretty much up nationwide. But with the Electoral College, uh, and as you said, you mentioned before the show started, with weather, any almost anything can happen. So I would rather be pessimistic and be concerned that this is the final battle and we can say, well, we've almost won, sort of like World War II, it's going to be over by Christmas, or the Civil War, or World War I, it's going to be over by Christmas. Well, damn it, it's not going to be over by Christmas. It's not going to be over until uh, uh, polls close and they actually get the count done. So they, they, uh, you know, the industry, Mike, as you know, took a pretty serious shot in 16 because people missed it. They missed that falling of the blue way, the blue wall in Pennsylvania, um, Michigan, Wisconsin. Uh, and so they didn't see that. There is such a thing as they euphemistically called the shy Trump voter. Uh, we can see that in the culture right now, people not being institutionally uh, uh, distrustful. And so there are people out there and it shouldn't be undercounted. It, I think it's two to 3% of the overall electorate that just won't even tell you what, uh, and, and it's probably a bigger portion of the Republican electorate um, than not, uh, than anything else that is institutionally disregarding sharing their opinion. And, you know, th- the president was out here uh, this past week. Um, he has big crowds, you know, to do exactly that, to convince people that, you know, there's momentum, there's, and so people are, aren't going to buy that. So, you know, I know you got, you've done a show last week on the polls and that uh, we're now starting to vote. I mean, there's people and, and that, that is really uh, where, you know, it doesn't matter what the polls say. It's, it's who's showing up. 
And as, as, as Rick just said, you know, election day, early voting and those types of things, um, all of the lines say that, you know, Biden should be, uh, have a, a margin, some type of margin. But as we used to say, Rick and I used to say when we run campaigns, the only poll that counts is the one on election. It's exactly right. Now, it is a bit different right now, uh, as opposed to the Eddie Basher campaign, which nine days before showed a win for Eddie Basher. And sadly enough, that did not happen. I think those, those opinions were probably not, not as fixed as the opinions are on Donald Trump. Well, that may be true, but I, but I, I don't refer to them as reluctant. Republicans. I refer to them as lying Republicans. They're ashamed of supporting Trump. They're ashamed that they know they will support him when they go into the polls, and they don't want to tell the pollsters that. By the way, I will. I need to jump in at this point. The American Association for Public Opinion Research had a blue ribbon panel that dealt with that, and they could not find evidence of shy Trump voters. Now, the polls were off, and they owned to that, but one of the things, the number one thing that they observed was that there was not very much in the way of decent polling in the last 10 days in the upper Midwest. And the reason in re in retrospect is awful. But at the time, if you're taken and going to a network and proposing a $40,000 poll in Michigan, they're saying, "What? you know, I'm going to pay $40,000 for that. Everybody knows that Hillary's going to carry it. That's not that's not newsworthy. The Hillary campaign was in the same boat. They're they're traveling to uh, Georgia and to Arizona, trying to run up the score and neglecting neglecting what turned out to be the critical base. Everybody missed it for the same reason. It was a conventional wisdom. There was a second thing that played a lesser role, which is yes, they did slightly underrepresent uh, less educated white voters, and that. Well, was secondary and, and, to, to, to what really the evidence is, there was a last minute trend. It was not national. It was regional in nature. And Trump came on in the last several days in the upper Midwest. Well, and, and my big my big complaint about polls on in Arizona, um, the national polls, is that they traditionally oversample Maricopa County. They may yep. be right this time. They may be right because turnout seems to be very, as Rick was alluding to earlier, seems to be very high high. And that, that would mean that Maricopa, which is 60% of the electorate on a, on a normal day, may be a bigger portion of the electorate this time. But the, the national polls traditionally, I think, over, have historically oversampled Maricopa and undersampled greater Arizona, which greater Arizona, meaning non-Pima, non-Maricopa, you know, accounts for roughly 25% of the electorate. Which, and serious Trump country. And winning two to one, if not yeah. in greater volume. So- mm -hmm. You know, those are the modeling questions that you got to look at all the time about what people do. But, you know, I, I think as of today, uh, where we're sitting, um, Biden should have a, a couple percentage point lead in Arizona. But again, that's within the margin of any error, and it still remains a competitive place. Of course, the yep. point about margin of error, that applies to one poll. If you've got a whole stack of polls and they show a 2% lead, that margin, there's still, there's still a range in which it could be off, but the margin of error per se doesn't apply. Back to the model, though. You don't yes. know the models of yes. all of those. The models. model may be specified, which is above and beyond.
Yeah. You know, for an individual yeah. poll, you have that source of error plus a statistical margin of error. I, I trust high ground polls. We do a good job down here. <laughs> so, what's your, have you have you polled on this? Well, we did in the first week of uh, we did the first week of October as early balloting began, and we had a plus three Republican margin, and that's what we're talking about today. So we we thought it was a you know a fairly uh, plus three Republican participation was a fairly conservative, as we all know, Maricopa or the state. Uh, so uh, Trump won Arizona last time in 16 uh, by three and a half percent, probably 95,000 votes. And in that cycle in 2016, Republicans participated at 7% greater than Democrats in that cycle, which is the traditional type right. of model for Arizona. As we're talking today, that's not what it is. That That's not what it is. It's somewhere you know, between uh, 2% uh, Repub- uh, Democratic advantage or even. And so it, anything like that is not seven. It's not seven uh, for uh, Democrats, which mean it's a Biden advantage in that in that type of environment. Even even is not even. Even represents a big shift to the Democrats. Minus, minus what did that early October poll show in terms of Biden-Trump? Uh, Biden up by one. Biden okay. up by one in early October with so, a plus three Republican. And you're in the neighborhood of yeah. uh, slightly less Biden than the national polls here, but but certainly in the neighborhood, uh, yeah. not not aberrant from those. Uh, Rick wants to say something, but it'll be after the break. We'll return in just a moment with further analysis of the upcoming 2020 election with Chuck Coughlin and Rick DeGraw. The Think Tank, KTAR News on 92.3 FM and KTAR.com. Okay, we're just discussing 2020 election with Rick DeGraw and Chuck Coughlin, and we were sort of into what I would call reading the tea leaves in Arizona, and Rick was about to make a point, and I'll let you make it. Well, in 2016, McCain got 110,000 more votes than Trump in the state. And I don't believe most of those people actually went and voted for Hillary. They either didn't vote or they voted for a third party candidate, whatever. But this time around, especially with the strength, the McCain type endorsements, the strength of uh, Republicans for Biden, you're going to see a lot of those votes actually go to Biden and and not go to a third party or not vote. So I I think that's a very valid point that Rick makes about, you know, the contingent of McCain uh, Republicans, which I happen to be one of them. Um, And and so what what to take that forward a cycle into 2018, we saw Cinema win uh, in this cycle and Ducey win in that cycle. And we know from that cycle that there was about 190,000 voters in that cycle that voted for both Governor Ducey and Kirsten Cinema. That in this cycle, because there's going to be a half a million more people, so remember that, we're going to have a record turnout in this cycle. It's going to be over 3 million people are going to vote in Arizona for the first time. So that 190,000, if you take that out and extrapolate it to the larger environment, becomes about 200 and somewhere between 250 and 310,000 people, depending on the turnout again. And so 
those are ticket splitters. Those are people that are discerning ticket splitters that, you know, you know, uh, would fall into that category Rick just talked about. And so you'd, you'd think that Trump will struggle with that portion of the electorate uh, and and you may see uh, differing behaviors down the line in in, in voter behavior uh, on lower the low, lower ballot issues. Let, let me throw this to you, Chuck, as the sort of resident Republican here. Jeff Flake has come out with a full-throated Biden endorsement. He has certainly expressed in previous instances his disaffection with Donald Trump, but I hadn't up to this point seen what is a flat out. He said basically, to be a good conservative, you got to vote for Biden. Do you yeah. think that? has an independent impact? I think it does. I think it does with certain cohorts of the electorate. You know, one of the one of the portions of the electorate that seems to be having uh, some struggles uh, with Trump is that uh, LDS portion of the electorate, of which Jeff was a distinguished part of. Uh, and so we've seen some some um, degradation amongst those traditional conservative, socially conservative Republican voters, faith-based voters. And I've seen it too as a, you know, a, a Protestant, you know, um, uh, discussion that's been going on as well. I think that's one of the dramatic shortcomings of national polling and the national media discussion is when they throw all evangelicals into one boat. That's not true, because I know that's not true, that there's different parts uh, of uh, the faith-based community that are putting their faith first and not their politics first uh, and have struggled with the support of this president because of those personal behavioral issues. I've really been more Astounded at the at the other side of that, the extent to which there is a really sizable and visible component of evangelical Christianity that's saying stuff like Donald Trump was sent by God. Yeah, well, you know, I don't think they're focused on God there. I think they're focused more on their politics. But we see that on the left too, Mike. I mean, we see the same kind kind of of uh, of idol worship on the left of. Uh, you know, what we're watching, and one of the reasons that the Democratic Party struggled so much, uh, because uh, during the primary, we'll remember that there was a, a massive amount of, of, of very progressive Democrats pushing the agenda away. That still remains a very compelling argument to vote for Trump, is the progressive nature of the underlying Democratic Party. They're, tr- um, they're clearly trying to uh, tag yeah. Joe Biden with the whole lot of folks in the, in the Democratic Party that that he beat in the primary. Yeah, but, I mean, they, they want to, so uh, Rick, go ahead. But but the, the difference also is that the Democrats have taken a position. The Republican national platform is whatever Trump won. There, there is no platform. There's nothing that says, this is what we're going to push for. This is what we're going to stand for. All they stand for right now by their own admission yeah. is Trump. That's all they stand for. Right, the, the Republican party used to be a party of ideas and used to have this uh, fairly robust discussion uh, within it. That Rick has hit it right on the head, and it's one of the underlying weaknesses of the performance this time of why why this election is in play. Uh, and that's absolutely true. There's no there's not a differing opinion uh, other than Trump's opinion. He's right about that in terms of the platform. But you know, I keep reminding everybody of this uh, in this cycle, which some people like look at it and they're like, no, that's not true. But I firmly believe, absent the virus, absent the collapse of the economy, that this isn't a race, that 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 
Trump, because Amer the American electorate, when it when it votes its self-interest, is voting. We're having this larger discussion now because that that discussion about self-interest has been disrobed, and and, it, and, it, and, I, and we've had a much more a deeper con about just. We got we got twenty seconds left, Rick. Yeah. You can have it. And, and I, I agree. I think the deeper conversation about racism, about violence, about police violence, and other things really has grabbed some people by their mark. You know, I, I, when we come back, one of the things I know we we, we, we all talk about is uh, the, the the absence, really, of a of a Trump plan to deal with COVID seems to have grown in the tile. But when we come back, first of all, I'm going to walk you through uh, my idea of a guide to watching the election on election night and see if these guys here agree with me. We'll be back with Chuck Coughlin and Rick DeGraw when we return in just a moment in the think tank. The Think Tank, KTAR News on 92.3 FM and KTAR.com. Okay, they're back with Chuck Coughlin and Rick DeGraw. I'm going to give you my take on how to watch the election tonight, and these guys are here going to keep me honest. Interrupt me if you disagree with any of this. Point number one, ignore the results in 37 states plus the District of Columbia. When Donald Trump wins Wyoming, it means absolutely nothing, just like when... Uh, uh, Joe Biden wins the District of Columbia. You know who the states are. There's, there's to be very generous. There is 13 states that are any in any degree of contention whatsoever. Point number two: ignore reported vote totals. I know that sounds counterintuitive, but this election is unlike any one we've ever had before. We know that day of the election votes will be heavily Trump. We know that the mail-in votes will be heavily Biden. Uh, since the, you don't know the exact proportion of these, when you see that one candidate is a Ahead or behind in another state, it is more likely to be an artifact of that. For example, Arizona counts early votes in advance, and uh, Michigan is not allowed to touch them until election day. Early votes are likely to show with Trump having a big lead in Michigan and Biden having an early lead in Arizona, and neither will mean anything. Any quarrel on that, guys? I got a bit. I got a bit. Go I mean, you're right that there are several states that are running the early vote program. Um, that have never done it before. And that's scary because there will be problems because we know that. But the history in Arizona, which is 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 interesting here, is that Republicans always win early ballots in Arizona. Well, that's not well, happening. Not right? this year. Not this year. But that that's different. And but it gets to how much. So the early ballots in Arizona show Biden with a seven-point lead. We know that the day of vote is not a little bit pro-Trump. It's big-time Trump. No, what no, does that seven-point no. lead mean? To you. Seven point lead means the race is over. Yeah. Okay. I but, mean, and, if and it's Mike, a seven I, point lead in Maricopa County, if it's more than four in Maricopa County, race is over. Even if it's just early vote. Left. There's not that many votes. There won't be that many votes left out there. Okay, I'm going to watch and, that and, and we'll see. So four is Mike, the magic number, huh? You said it's the mail-in ballots. It's not. The early vote is also all of the voting places they've opened up three weeks before where you can go in person, yep. where there are lines of people. That's a different voting base than the mail-in ballot. All anyway. right. 
What's the next point? Next Mark? one. Wait for the network calls on the states because of that unknown balance between these two things. That the net. I talked to one of the network uh, decision guys. They have surveys that are probably not going to be useful if it's within about eight points. But they are. They unlike us have a huge team out there, and they are likely to know not only the split between the early and the day of election vote, but how many of each are out and. They they are going to be extremely conservative. They told me their standards 99.5% certain. They more than they there is minimal pressure on them to be be early. There is huge pressure on them not to be wrong. So I think I I I will trust those calls when they come. They're coming from two different sources, but they're very parallel. AP and Fox is doing one operation. All the other networks is doing another in terms of data collection, but all of the networks are making their separate calls. And I think those calls will be late. Oh, yeah. Predict, oh, yeah. Because they're conservative. Be, I predict there'll be a lot of drinking yes. on election. There will night. be a lot of too early to say. Next point, what we will know early. Florida, Texas, and Arizona. A uh, point about that. A Biden victory in either Florida or Texas and go home. A Biden victory in Arizona would be life support for Trump, but not over. Well, I, I, I think I, I agree on Florida. It's not a go home thing because Florida has been bouncing back and forth. If I would agree with you on Texas. If Texas somehow votes for Biden, I believe a spaceship will land in, yes. in, uh, in do you, Arizona. Do you know that NBC News moved it from the consensus on Texas is leaned uh, Republican. NBC News just moved it to toss up. Well, that, I, I do not believe that. No. There's just no world that I see Texas moving into the Democratic category. It, it would absolutely be astounding. But Chuck, they are clearing a space in the desert for <laughs> That spaceship to land. Yeah. yeah, I will. I will tell you. Also, I read one interesting. I don't know if I hundred percent believe it, but it was uh, somebody looked and reexamined all of the polls in sixteen and eighteen, reached the conclusion that there tended to be a Democratic bias in the polls in the Upper Midwest and a Republican bias in the polls in the Southwest. Well, if that's if that's the case, then uh, then this election isn't decided in Pennsylvania. It may be more likely decided in our backyard. It could be. I agree with that. I mean, we're, but we're going to be early compared to yes. because of our history and the job we do, it, as you just said. And we're in, addition, in addition to those states, the other ones that are liable to be early and would be nearly as definitive would be Georgia, North Carolina, a Biden victory there would also be huge. Yeah, I would agree with that. I'm, I'm not expecting that, no. but I would agree with that. As <laughs> would as would a Biden victory in Ohio and uh and uh iowa i was a smaller state so so uh trump could maybe live with that in terms of electoral votes but it would be an indication of something that would be not good for his chances so so mike before we broke you were you were saying you were talking about uh, a non-plan for covid yeah but i think you're being narrow trump has a non-plan for covid a non-plan for health care a non-plan for jobs Trump is running against China, the media, women, and the Pope. <laughs> He's not running for anything. Um, well, Rick, Rick, it is the swamp. He's running yes. against the swamp. And all of those people, hey, you just named the swamp. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly correct. 
Oh, it's such entertainment. You know, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a reality TV in the White House, man. It's well, awfully look, fun. Look, look, at, look at yesterday's um, rally where he basically dissed McSally um, and, and, and said, okay. hey. Okay, you mentioned, you mentioned that. I had it lined up. I was going to do it in the next segment. But since you mentioned that, this is Donald Trump at a rally earlier this week. And uh, there, this he. The, it's a quick reference to Martha McSally. Listen carefully to the way the president treated his Republican uh, senatorial candidate from the state of Arizona. Martha, come up just fast, quick, quick, fast, fast. Come on, quick. You got one minute. One minute, Martha's sake. They don't want to hear this, Martha. Come on, let's go. Quick, 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 quick. Come on, let's go. All right, I'm coming. Thank you, President Trump. Arizona, we are ground zero to save the country. Okay, this has got to go to you, Chuck. You get this as, again, the resident Republican. Have you ever in your life heard a presidential candidate so diss a member of his own party who was running for the Senate? Well, let's be clear. He doesn't care. I mean, what, what happened... What happened in the last debate with Kelly, when the, mod- when the moderators of the debate asked her to, do you endorse President Trump? She goes, I support uh, Republicans and Arizona, and she never would endorse. And that got back to him. And that, what you heard there, is this was absolutely payback? his dismissal. Of absolutely. Yep. And, and, a, and a revelation for no one uh, that actually has been watching this, that he doesn't care about anybody but himself. I mean, that, 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 that's the absolute statement. And that that's, is, that's the central point. It's astounding to me because she has been a loyal alkalite. She has been a reliable vote. There was that one statement in the debate, but she has been there for, with, uh, it shows well, right. I guess, the extent to which he demands 100% fealty, 98% just doesn't cut it. That's exactly, and you can see that with everyone. He doesn't, Chuck is right, he doesn't care. Unless you are, unless you're his slave, he doesn't want you around. Well, it is what Rick said earlier in the segment. The, 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 the Republican Party is the party of Donald Trump. There isn't anything, uh, there, you, there's no idea other than what Trump stands for. And that's not the Republican. And when Martha walked from that in the last debate, he, he knew that. And what is shown here is exactly that. Um, and, and so it doesn't come as a surprise to me. I mean, we were talking about Flake. Flake's not in the Republican Party anymore because he wasn't a Donald Trump guy. John McCain wouldn't be in the Republican Party today because he wasn't a Donald Trump guy. This is what the Republican Party has become under Trump is not a party of ideas. It's the party of Trump. And as that, it's not a healthy play. I mean, it, it's not a healthy place of ideas where these ideas get discussed. Um, it, it may happen to the Democratic Party uh, in a year or two as we get into the, the left, you know, the hard left of the Democratic Party. Um, it may happen to them as well. But it, it is it is a new age. And the opportunity here will be after this cycle, if it goes the way people are talking about, the Republican Party is going to go through a reckoning of defining itself again. We will be back in just a moment. We will talk, as promised, about state of Arizona elections when we return in just a second in the Think Tank. I 
The Think Tank. KTAR News on 92.3 FM and KTAR.com. Okay, guys, last shot. Rick DeGraw, Chuck Coughlin, this is going to be your last shot pre-election. And uh, the topic is we've talked about the presidency. We've talked about uh, briefly, but interestingly, about the Senate race. We can do a little more on that if you want. But uh, mostly want to move to the uh, legislature. Uh, The Arizona legislature has been in the hands of the Republicans since just about as long as anybody can remember. There was one house that was 50-50, and then you go back, well, decades. Uh, 1990, the Democrats had the state Senate. Yeah, for for two years, right? Yep, right. So there's... um, maybe uh, Le- Layla Austin might have been the only one who was there then. If, other than that, there's probably not a single one. That's that is absolutely true. Uh, Pete Rios's daughter Rebecca's down. Yeah, <laughs> we're, we're into <laughs> it. Jennifer, well, president. What what amazed me was in LD six, Sylvia Flagstaff. Allen. Flagstaff. Uh, well, yes, Flagstaff and and uh, in Coconino. Arizona. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, Sylvia Allen wasn't conservative enough for that district, for the Republicans in that district. And they now have Wendy Rogers. And that's an actual race that could be won by French, the Democrat, who's what, a 32 year veteran or something like that. Uh, And then you've got Kate Brophy McGee, who could be challenged very strongly Well, that was a race. She only lost by 200 and something votes last time. She won by 200, yeah. She, she won, won. yeah, yeah, she won. Right. She yeah. held on by 200 and some odd votes. Right. Yep. So, um, so the, the, the Rick's talking about Senate races, uh, mm-hmm. and, you know, there's probably two or three there, uh, two that he mentioned, uh, District 6, which is northern Arizona, uh, all the way into the White Mountains. So it, it's not just Coconino, and it, it also has a part of Yavapai in it, which is where Prescott is. But, it's, uh, but the big part of the base is, is in Flagstaff. And so that's a competitive race this time for the Senate and for literally both House seats. And then we've mentioned Kate uh, in District 28, which is sort of Arcadia, Paradise Valley, North Central Phoenix area, um, which, you know, she's been my senator. She's been a great senator, a bipartisan. She has been a gem in the state legislature in terms of getting things done. But that district is moving. Now it has two Democrats in the House. It, in, and she's the last surviving Republican. Um, as we're looking at it over the weekend here, she's got, uh, she's, the Democrats are outgunning Republicans badly. And, and Senate is 1713. So flip two, we have a tie in the Senate. Tie. In tie, in the, a tie in the Democrats are at the table. And so the other race that people are looking at is 17, which is part of Chandler. Um, which there's a ton of money being spent down there in South Tempe and part of Gilbert. Um, J.D. Messnard, the former Speaker of the House, uh, is, uh, I can't even p- pronounce the guy's last name, J.D. or J.C. Uh, Cordelou. Uh, they're, they're pressing him. And, and that, that, that's a race everybody should watch because if, if he loses that race that night and comes up short, it's not a blue wave. It's a blue tsunami. I mean, right. that, that, that race, I suspect he'll hold on, but that's, that's a sign that things are, are changing. Um, and, and really, the de- Republicans are playing defense everywhere. That's the state Senate. The, the House, 
the House, there's only a one Republican uh, seat majority right now. And, and there's a distinct possibility of the House flipping uh, because of the aforementioned seats we said earlier. Uh, plus there's a race on the east, on the west side in the, uh, of, the, of Phoenix uh, in District 20 uh, that is uh, looking in 20. Who are, who are the folks in 20? Um, man, look, the one that's in jeopardy uh, is, um, gosh, it's, uh, he's a guy, he's, he's a presidential elector, Anthony Kern, uh, for Trump in this cycle. Uh, he is a very conservative guy in what, in a district that has been trending away for some time. And he recently came out with a campaign to, to, uh, to, to that he was a bipartisan guy. He had, he had, he had phone bank efforts too. Uh, and I called him on this. I'm like, well, uh, Mr. Kern, I said, I see that you're, you're become a, a bipartisan guy. And he goes, yeah, it's across the aisle with a smile. And I was like, wow, that said, well, give me an example of that. And he said, well, you know, I, 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 I let that bill go out of there, the, the House Rules Committee, where, you know, you couldn't beat up a, a, an emergency room physician. I said, well, yeah, that sounds like a really bipartisan idea. <laughs> <laughs> So he's in, uh, that's Shauna Bullock's district. Uh, there's a Democrat running up there that has a very good shot at taking one of those seats. This uh, is the one that, that knocked Judy off. Judy Schiebert, uh, I believe. Yeah, Judy Schwaber. Uh, so that, that's, a, that's, that's an opportunity for another Democratic pickup. So there's, there's several on the map uh, that appear that could move, but you know, like like we were saying earlier, Rick and and Doc, it it was the uh, House hasn't been in Democratic control since the '60s. Right. So this will be a very, you know, that's a that's a telltale sign that, you know, maybe this could be a reckoning moment for the Republicans to figure out what we're for. So my question to you about this: Do you think that the Republicans have been hampered by their penchant? in the primaries to select from the extreme right of the Republican Party? Well, yeah, that, that's been happening. I mean, that, winning a Republican primary is very difficult. Well, news newsflash, that's now happening on the Democratic side. You know, there, there's been challenges to traditionally business-favored, uh, uh, friendly uh, Democrats on that side. They all won this time, but that's coming. That, that, that will be the next discussion in the future cycles is, more progressive challengers to those Democrats. Sean Bo Bowie, who represents a part of Tempe, Tempe and, yeah. and Ahwatukee, he had a challenger. The Hernandezes down in, uh, Pima, in Pima County had challengers. So Leo Alston had a challenge. So that, that's, that, what happened in the, tea, in the Tea Party, right, is happening in the, you know, however you want to define the, the, the left, the progressive left. That tends not to happen as much when you're out of power as when you're in power. Well, there right. you go. There you go. It's coming. The, but the nice thing is the progressive left are right. <laughs> Says the New Jersey Democrat. Says the New Jersey Democrat. Man, you still have a, you're, you know, it, Rick DeGraw, it, you know, I love the guy, but he, he, he is certainly, I think he's importing his Schumer blue into Arizona. Hey, if we're talking about ancestry here, how did you how did you escape Ann Arbor as the only Republican ever to come for, out of Ann Arbor? Mike, I lost you. Oh, yeah, I, I, I escaped. Well, so yeah, 
So Ann Arbor was a pretty interesting place. I was growing up as a kid. It was $5 if you got caught with an ounce of weed or less. And they were burning down the post office. Uh, there was a crater the size of a house uh, 250 yards from my safety patrol. It was an interesting place to grow up. I'm fearing that that's what the country may become if, uh, if, uh, if, if the progressives get in charge. So I don't, I'm not advocating for what we've had, but certainly uh, it will, we may have a new era where- See, what I'm, what, I'm fearing, what I'm fearing when the Democrats win in November um, is the right-wing militias. These guys aren't screwing around. Um, they feel they have to go buy bread. They have to have a machine gun. Um, you know, to, to go protect themselves when they get gas, they have to be fully armed with uh, several pistols and, and large caliber uh, guns. So that's what I fear. But I got to tell you, one thing that has happened is that the election this year has revitalized our media community. Trump might hate them. But the fact is more money is going into uh, uh, commercials this year than I have ever seen in now 50 years of, of political work. Well, I mean, Chuck that. was saying earlier about a million dollars spent on a legislative race in Arizona. That's ridiculous. We need to take it. We need to, first of all, we need to get rid of uh, uh, Citizens United. And we need to take a, a page from the British uh, book that says you can't start before a certain date. Well, you know, some of this stuff uh, was uh, unpalatable to Republicans, like the dark money business. Now that they're being unspent, that may now be discussable. We might have the chance of a of a bipartisan uh, a bipartisan consensus on some of that stuff now that it cuts both ways. Run out of time. Uh, we'll have to count votes before we come back, which I hope you will. Thank you very much, Chuck Coughlin and Rick DeGraw. We'll see you next week when... There is a chance, but not a certainty, that we will know the results of this election. Pick up on one and leave the other behind. It's not often easy and not often kind. Did you ever have to make up your mind? Did you ever have to find?